Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Excuse me, I have something to say. Hello and welcome to Excuse Me, the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws at us. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and if you're tuning in for the first time, don't forget to click on that subscribe button so you never have to miss out on an episode. You can also join in on the conversation by surfing your way over to the show's official website, excuse me, I have something to say.com. Or you can follow along through with the show's official Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter account, where you can slide right on into my DMs, let me know your thoughts and feelings of the show, or if there's any future topics that you wish for me to tackle. And as always, you can find those social links embedded into the show notes for you. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the show. As always, we're starting off the episode with a huge shout out and thank you to all of the regular listeners out there. Guys, your support over the past eight months has been so encouraging to me and I have to say I'm truly grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you to all of the new listeners out there this week. Hello and welcome. So happy that you guys have finally found us. Just remember to click that subscribe button to stay up to date with all things Excuse Me. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, you can rate the show on that platform and leave us a little review. That's going to help elevate these conversations so more people can find them. Now, a little bit of news this week. This is the penultimate episode of season one of Excuse Me. It has been a huge year for the podcast and... I'll be taking a little bit of a break and returning with brand new episodes early 2021. So make sure you stay tuned to the show's socials for more on season two, like when it's dropping, who's going to be on, all of that exciting information. But for now, it's that time of the year again. You know the time of year when Michael Bublé emerges from his Christmas cave to face off in a musical battle against his arch nemesis, the reigning queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey. Yep, that's right, everybody. The overly chipper plus size gentleman in red is on his way to shower us with gifts and festive joy. So remember to sing loud and clear for all to hear as Auntie Gladys drinks too much sherry and the family pooch eyes off that Christmas ham. 
The festive season has somehow defied the odds of 2020 here in Australia and it is in full swing. We all have so much to be thankful for this year and we also have so much to just not be thankful for. I'm starting this little Christmas special off by saying to all of you guys out there that it is okay to not be okay right now. The future is both bright and bleak at the same time, but hey, that's okay too. We've all been through a lot this year and as such, I wanted to bring you guys an episode that validates the fact that this year and particularly the holiday season isn't always the most wonderful time of the year for everyone. This week, it is my pleasure to introduce you all to Mark Camilleri, a registered psychologist and senior child and family practitioner at the Drummond Street Services in Victoria, where Mark is also part of their queer space team. Mark, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. How are you? I'm going well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's really great to get out there. Yeah, really looking forward to the conversation. Um, before we go into that, though, can you share with the listeners and myself a little bit about your role and what you do at the Drummer Street Services? Drummer Street Services, like we're a mental health, child and family youth service. We've been operating since like the 1800s, so like over 100 years. Wow. Um, in various sort of, you know, started off as, uh, you know, helping out war widows and then helping with parenting and family. Then we started seeing, you know, around about the 80s, you know, 70, 80s, started seeing more of the queer, you know, LGBTIQ clients, lots of couples needing support. And then, um, uh, you know, then we, we became Queer Space. We started the Queer Space program. So it's around about like 19 queer identified practitioners. And we see the whole LGBTIQ plus spectrum for everything and we see all ages as well so i saw see four-year-old gender non-conforming young people up to a 65 year old man who's just coming out now wow so we see there are lots and lots of different we run lots of group programs as well so we run a thing called the village which is like it's a parent support group for parents of trans and gender diverse young people a lot of time they end up being quite confused. What does this my young person now wants to be called this gender and want to put this name? So we run a group for them. We run lots of um, peer support groups for um, LGBTIQ populations. And like, so we have a trans, gender diverse and non-binary people of colour peer support group. And then we, you know, just do lots of social, we do training, like lots of uh, helping other organisations to get queer friendly. My role, so I'm a psychologist. I've been a psychologist for around about 22 years and I've worked always with queer people. I started working in the Department of Human Services and I had more of an HIV background. And then they were like, oh, so you can talk about HIV and sexuality. And I was like, yep. And they're like, great, here's all our LGBTIQ clients. And then I moved into community health for a while and ran some groups with LGBTIQ, um, mainly young people and then their families, so supporting their families. And then I ran a queer youth support group in the city for uh, 10 years um, that was uh, called YAC and that was really popular and started seeing a lot more trans and gender diverse young people and supporting them. And then um, moved over to Queer Space. Wow, you've and, been um, busy. Are, yeah, I have been busy. But yeah, quite a queer, queer thing. So I'm quite familiar with, um, you know, working with queer people and some of the different obstacles, the barriers, and but also, you know, the really great things that are about being um, queer that, that, you know, help us, to, to make us resilient and make us different. So I'm really like to look at the positives as well. 
as um because you know the negatives will always be there oh yeah they're always there and people like to point them out yeah. uh, so it's good to highlight the positives <laughs> yeah wow and it's great that um Drummond Street Services has been around for such a long time. I didn't realize that they were yeah. around for that long. So, uh, and it's great that every, all the work that you guys are all doing throughout everything. Yes, it's amazing. It's great. It's a great team as well, you know, and I think we all bring sort of different, you know, and we've got trans practitioners and non-binary and, you know, gay, lesbian, straight, bar, everyone in between. And it's really good. And because then we also sit within Drummond Street Youth and Family Services that, you know, tend to work with more cis people that they, you know, then they will work with queer clients as well, you know, couples who have got parenting difficulties. And so, you know, we get this real uh, building on our allies, you know, yeah. to make it sort of the whole organisation now is sort of very quiet. I think almost, you know, most practitioners will be able to work, even if they're not queer identified would be able to work with someone who from the LGBTIQ populations and do. And, and then we also work around this rapid, you know, wraparound sort of process. Yeah. Because, yeah, even if, if I'm a trans young person who's coming out, I might work with that young person. But then my colleague in another team might work with the parents. And okay. then this person, my other colleague, we're working with the sibling of that, that young person. So we try not to just pathologise, like, oh, the trans young person is the person who needs counselling. It's yeah. like the whole family needs some type of support to sort of cope with the transitioning or the coming out process. And like I said, I was there, you know, I'm working with a 65-year-old man who's, you know, he's just coming out. But, you know, his children need support as well and his ex-wife, you know, would need support. So it's not just focusing on that, you know, that very narrow queer focus that we can sort of have yeah. to look at who are the people around that. And we see that a lot with, you know, queer relationships in that you know i can counsel this person but if their partner's being horrible to them <laughs> i probably need to talk to the partner as well or someone yeah. needs to be counseling the partner and then if there's children involved they've got children from a previous relationship well you know who's going to be supporting those children yeah so so i like this idea of you know wrapping around whatever the the presenting issue is it's incredible and um, yeah which we might not get an opportunity to do at Christmas because unless they're going to bring your whole family in for a bit of Christmas <laughs> counselling, uh, it can be quite difficult. Yeah, Christmas counselling with the entire family. That, yeah, leave right. that one. Leave that one for you. Speaking of Christmas, it is marketed as the most wonderful time of the year. But for many people out there, it can probably be the most difficult time of the year for many different reasons. What are some of the signs that we should be looking for in our friends and family who might be quietly vulnerable during this time? I'd be looking for any changes out of their usual normal patterns. So, you know, if they're starting to become a bit more withdrawn, they get, get a bit more quiet, or alternatively, they start to get a bit more manic, they're using substances a bit more. So anything out from then, you know, the usual way you see, if you see them and you're like, oh, they're really quiet this time oh, you know, they were so a little bit withdrawn and, you know, a bit not sharing lots of information. Like, that's a bit unusual for them. Normally, you know, they're the life of the party or normally they've got lots to contribute. So, again, that might be a little red flag to me of like, oh, gee, I went, and I might just personally check in, you know, just give them a little text like, hey, saw you the other day. It was really good catching up. Notice you're a little bit more quiet. You know, just to prompt, you know, yeah. and they might say, yeah, I was sick. Or they might say, oh, I'm worried about Christmas. You know, my parent doesn't want me... My family doesn't recognise my gender identity and it's going to be a really stressful time for me. Or, again, those other excessive behaviours. So you might notice that, you know, 
they're, they're quite loud, they might be quite agitated, sort of, they sort of quite manic, they might be like spending lots of money overcompensating, like I brought this for my parents and I brought this for my family and I, I'm providing all these things. And you're like, whoa, that's really, normally you normally don't do those types of things. You know, they might be using a lot more substances at the moment. You know, again, those things, if they're out of the usual, they, you know, might prompt a little thing of like, hey, I saw you the other day. Wow, it sounds like you've taken on, you know, so much. How are you going with all that? And they might be, well, I feel I need to earn or reward or have to prove that I'm normal to my family because they don't think I'm normal. Yeah, so again, it's great to have that little conversation just to, you know, that's what I've been noticing for, things that are out of the usual for that person. And then checking in on them, doing the good yeah, friendly duties. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that, you know, that's all... That, that's as far as it might go, or then you, you know, you, then you might think, oh, if they start to disclose, you might go, well, I can support you this much, but maybe you need some other supports. Yeah. And here's some other supports that I've heard of, or I know of, or who else, you know, asking the question even, who, when you like this, where have you gone for support in the past? And they might go, oh, I've done counselling in the past, or oh, I thought, you know, this organisation was great, or I've used Switchboard, or whatever they've used. Yeah. For the queer community, Christmas can be particularly difficult. You touched on it before saying, you know, your people's families might not um, recognize the way that they identify. What sort of, what sort of advice would you give to those people who identify different, have a tough time with their family over Christmas, but still feel the pull to do the quote unquote traditional family Christmas? What, what I guess, what can you advice can you give them to help them survive that look you know i suppose there's two questions there i mean i suppose the first question would be do you need to go like do you need to buy into that idea that i have to be with my family at christmas <laughs> because where's that written there's no rule what will happen if you don't do it will reality cease to exist will <laughs> anyone die no so you know that might be a good question of you know and you can signal to your family yes i do want to see you i do want to be in relationship with you but it doesn't necessarily have to be at christmas it puts a lot of pressure upon me and i think you know we see this in cis and hetero couples as well you know they get the same thing like when they're married they're like whose family we're going to go to yours or mine oh we went to yours last year or, i went to mine last, or oh, why is my family always relegated to boxing day and not christmas day or whenever mm -hmm. you know we see that as well you know there's lots of ways that the power might play out in what we do at Christmas. So I suppose that first question is, that's right, do I need to be involved in this? If it's causing you that much distress, you know, it's a good question to ask. And then we can talk a bit later uh, about what do we do when we, if we decide no. And the second one is, if I do decide, yes, I am going to engage with my family for Christmas, how can I make myself safe? What do I need? Not what does my family need? What do I need to feel safe? at Christmas, because if I don't feel safe, then it's gonna be a bad experience for them, it's gonna be a bad experience for me, and again, I'll get to the other side of Christmas and go, why do I do this every year? Or worse, you know, like, now I feel really shitty about myself, I'm going to um, do things to make that come true. So I suppose, you know, they're the types of things that we might do, and, and I always would think, plan ahead, we know it's coming, you know, we, we can't avoid stressful things in our life, Stressful things happen. COVID happens. I had no consent in that. <laughs> it happened and now I needed to cope with it. And I planned to cope with it, like, you know, by social distancing and washing my hands and, you know, wearing masks and all those things. Exactly the same way for Christmas. Christmas happens every year. I know it's coming. I know it's going to be stressful. I know I'm going to have to interact with my family and there'll be different relationships and power relationships there that might work out 
positively and then also negatively. So what can I do about the negative aspects of dealing with the relationships with my family? So if I know that my Uncle John gets drunk and is going to say something homophobic, <laughs> I can go, okay, Uncle John's going to be there. I know he's going to get drunk and say something homophobic. So what am I going to do? But how can I do that? Can I preempt it anyway? That might be talking, you know, talking to my my mum, who is his sister, about, oh, what are we going to do about Uncle John getting drunk? <laughs> oh yes, I've worried about that myself. So how are we going to manage that? Or how are we going to manage, you know? Like, do I need to be there for the whole five hours? I might just come, like, when are we going to be eating? We'll be eating at one, great. I'll stay then to one to two, we'll be eating. Two to three is socialising and then I'm going to go. Like, I don't need to be there from 12 to five. And then finding my allies. Yes, I might have my homophobic family or transphobic or biphobic or whatever they are, but there will be that, that cousin who's really safe and, you know, my, that auntie who's a social worker, that, you know, they're my allies within my family that I can go to. So I would plan ahead, plan that I'm going to come across some stress. How am I going to manage that? And that might be also, you know, maybe having a time out. So when everyone's after dinner, they're all a bit pissy now. <laughs> everyone's getting a bit opinionated, talking about religion and politics. I might think, oh, I'm going to go out and sit at the back in the trampoline and play with the dog. Yeah. You know, just to give myself a chill out, time out, drink some water, not be involved in those types of things. And then, of course, after it, you've been with your biological family, but gee, my family of choice, my little queer family or my queer allies are going to be my safest place. So I would be then going, hey, I'm going to be with my family. <laughs> I should, I'll be leaving. I'm only going to stay for two hours. I'll be finished at four o'clock. Where are you in the afternoon? There's no reason while I'm there, I can text them, go, you know, uncle got drunk again, said something really transphobic, <laughs> you know, just to connect with my little queer family while I'm managing um, some of my, my hetero cis normative bio, biological family and some of the, the stresses that might come out. But, you know, having said that, if I'm choosing to go, that means there must be some good things that I'm going to yeah. be getting out of it. Yeah. So, you know, and holding on to those. That's, uh, that's great advice. I can relate to having the, uh, the safe cousin. Not that, as I said to you before, like my family are quite inclusive mm. and you know, they're a good bunch. But when I was living in the UK and I was struggling with coming out, I had my a cousin and she was my, you know, she was a safe person that we could just disappear and, and have a moment and yeah. you know, everything was okay again. Yes. So yeah, it's great, great advice to, uh, to find the allies within because I guarantee that, you know, not everybody that is at that Christmas event probably wants to be there whether they're you know no matter what their sexual identity is oh. you could just have you know somebody else or a sibling or somebody who just doesn't want to be there yes and i think we saw a lot of it during the plebiscite the postal vote because you know then you're with your family and then they you know then had felt they had the right to start talking about whether gay marriage was good or bad and mm -hmm. and i think that you know that the context then brought you you know because normally i might not know what my aunties and uncles and cousins think about same-sex marriage or being trans but because of context like that then they feel there's a you know they have the right or the, you know and then they'll start to voice what they start to think and then we might find out that oh they hold very different values and goals to me and it's a horrible sort of schizoid type of thing because we love them 
because they're my auntie, uncle, cousin, you know, my family, but you know, they're not holding the same values and goals as mine. And so therefore we might feel we, you know, we need to distance ourselves or look, I'm not as aligned with you as what I thought I was, you know, and then we add, as I said before, as you know, they're also going through some type of stress of being with the family, add some alcohol substances and next thing you know, bad things can happen. <laughs> Christmas firework. <laughs> what are some of the unforeseen or more lesser known obstacles or pressures that could face the rainbow community? Look, you know, it is a Christian um, ceremony, you know, recognition. So for those, for particularly um, LGBTIQ people who might have come from a faith background, again, puts lots of tension because we have the, the our recognition of our own spirituality or maybe the mourning or loss of grief of our spirituality because of our sexuality or gender then. And so therefore it can be, again, create this like, I want to attach to it, but I need to keep myself safe. So I detach from it. So sort of any of those sort of faith-based spirituality, you know, I'm quite talking about Christian here, you know, can be quite stressful for LGBTIQ populations because traditionally lots of the Christian faith has have not had a positive view of um, gender and sexuality. Um, also being a person of colour, so coming from a non-white Anglo ethnic background, Christian background, so you know Asia, if you're Asian or Muslim and you're a queer person as well, you know you're getting these sort of multiple like oh I don't understand all these rituals and ceremonies and what the big deal is. So you know it can be quite hard for people of colour. You know and then just the general things of Christmas, you know we tend to be partying a lot more, there's a lot more social, it's in summer. So just you know we, we might not be getting as much sleep as what we normally get, our nutrition probably will go down, we'll be eating a lot more sugar, we might get out of our little gym walky, you know, routines. So those, just those little things about, you know, as I said before, there might be more substance use than probably what there would be. So I know for myself, I definitely drink more over the Christmas period than what I would any other month. You know, you're celebrating lots and there's lots more alcohol and you're eating like eating food that you normally would never eat. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's very rich in calorie laden food and not and not eating as much as the, the good food. And of course, you're not sleeping as much because you've had too much sugar had too much alcohol, but therefore I'm not going to sleep as well as what I would if it wasn't Christmas. So, you know, those things, yeah, religiosity, spirituality, you know, not coming from this, uh, you know, people of colour and cold background, queer people, and just the use of more substance, less sleep, less nutrition, more financial vulnerability because we're going out more, we're buying presents, and, you know, that puts lots of financial strain on us and can put financial strain on the relationships. And, you know, we will see more intimate partner and domestic and family violence happen over Christmas because of these stresses and we're coming into contact with them more. So, you know, and those things are not really on the radar, and particularly in the LGBTIQ populations. You know, we don't identify it as family violence. If my family is non-accepting of me or my partner or my lifestyle, then that's family violence. And then if there's stress in the relationship because I'm, you know, going, no, we're going to see my family on Christmas day and we're going to see yours on Boxing Day and I don't get a chance to go, no, we saw yours on Christmas Day last year. It's my turn to see my family on Christmas Day, but your partner's not. That's intimate partner violence. They're coercing you. <laughs> so, you know, we don't really talk about that too much over this Christmas period. And we might not feel free to because we want to show that LGBTI people are, you know, we don't do horrible things to each other, but sometimes we do. <laughs> sometimes we do, definitely. <laughs> um, now, not all of the listeners that tune in to, to excuse me identify as 
we are, but I'm sure they all know people who, who are. Let's face it, everybody does these yes. days. So we're um, everywhere. <laughs> we're everywhere and we're fabulous. Is there any advice that you could share to help families ensure their LGBTQIA plus relatives are able to have a great and more productive Christmas with them? Well, look, I think for your non-queer listeners, you actually the key <laughs> because if i say don't say that that's homophobic or uh gay guys don't like to be called faggot they're going to go oh well mark's a faggot anyway so why would i listen to him but if an, one of them if an ally like if a straight person says oh i don't think gay people like to be called faggot they're probably going to listen to it more because it's coming from someone who's like them that doesn't have any agenda if they're like oh that's just mark and his agenda to make everyone queer we are as if it's coming from a straight person or a cis person they'll be like oh Oh, you know, they're like me and they're saying it. So allies are really super important at Christmas because, you know, it is really a hetero celebration, you know, and it's very religious, the birth of Jesus. And, you yeah. know, so it's sort of this hetero and everyone's, oh, guess who's getting married? Guess who's getting engaged? Guess who's had a baby? It's a chance then to celebrate all the heterosexual markers of what it is to be a good hetero and cis person. So I think because it's that's therefore they have a greater role than what LGBTIQ populations do. So I think as an ally, it's for you just thinking, you know, how what can I do? Asking the question, what can I do to make it safe for my trans cousin or my queer uncle or my bisexual auntie? And in the same way that we think, oh. Uh, you know, we're going to have it in the backyard this year. How's Nana going to go getting down the stairs? Thinking, you know, how are we going to make it safe for Nan? Exactly the same way you'd think. Okay, so we know that Uncle John's going to get drunk and say something homophobic. I think already of how am I going to manage Uncle John's alcohol consumption? And what if he does say something? How am I going to make Mark feel safe? So we might sort of start preempting, And, you know, and I think that's the role of the ally, you know, to be that protective, calling it out. If they see something homophobic, transphobic, biphobic, everyone's ooh-ahhing about someone getting married and there's a single queer person there. Do you know, how am I going to make that person feel comfortable now? Because they might be feeling left out. Asking those things and just checking in and, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I do have a quiet space. You know, if you need to, Mark, you can go and hang out in the study if it gets too much for you. Just thinking those little things might be really, really helpful. Asking that question, because there's no right and wrong answer. The question, even if you're just signalling, I've thought about how can I make you speak safe here, Mark, then that is going to speak a million times more to me than any gift you could give me. Because I'm like, oh, someone's recognised that I'm a queer person and might be feeling, you know, might be uncomfortable. For yeah. Me. When you mentioned, you know, if they see something by calling it out, that's something not just in the queer space, but that's something that I think I find that very difficult to do, particularly when it's with people you love and, you know, they might make a racist joke or a sexist joke, something that just you kind of go, oh, that's not funny. I always struggle to call people out on it. I always want to. Yes. yes but it's yes. such a hard thing. But when it's somebody, if it's a stranger, I don't think I have a problem. But if it's somebody mm -hmm. that, you know, you love and you care about, it's hard to put them in line because you don't, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. But definitely. Definitely, sure. Yeah. Out. Yeah, because you don't want to, be the Grinch and bring the mood down, you know, and you want to do it also safely. So therefore that's Uncle John is drunk and making homophobic comments and I call him out on it and he punches me. 
that's not a good look. No. <laughs> and, you know, we want to be sensitive as well. You know, so maybe I might a week later, a month later, say, hey, Uncle John, you know, when we're at the thing, just send him a text. Uh, and, you know, you can use humour. You can also choose not to be a part of it. So if everyone's standing around and they're talking about trans people aren't really trans people, well, a lot of that going around at the moment, you know, you don't have to be a part of that conversation. You can then just excuse yourself from it. And then the next step would be you might put your two cents in and go, well, you know, I know some trans women and I think they're real women. <laughs> Even by removing myself, I'm choosing then, I'm saying I'm not going to be part of this. Yeah. Of you all agreeing that trans women are not women. <laughs> yeah. Two, you know, on the other side where you might, you know, try and school them, educate them and go, well, you know, how, where is gender? Where does gender come from? How do we know what gender is? Oh, you know, you used to wear, you know, girls used to only wear skirts, but you're wearing your jeans. Women never used to work and had to stay at home and have babies, but you work. Does that mean you're a man? You know, gender changes, you know, just school, you know, just introducing yeah. without having to come down really hard. I was, you know, with my nephews, it was actually at a Christmas thing and they were running around the house, you know, kicking the feet out from each other and they were tumbling on top of each other. And that's right. One of them said, get off me, you faggot. Oh, no. And I was just like sitting on the couch and I was like, oh. And so, you know, just when they were getting up, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm a gay man. We don't like that. And, you know, it wasn't horrible. And they were so apologetic. They were like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. They were just, we were just fighting. And I was like, well, you know, that's okay. But, you know, they've never said it again. They're, you know, whereas if I hadn't said it, they probably would have gone ahead thinking it was okay to say mm. that. So, you know, without coming down heavy, but... My question would be, how can I signal that this is not okay while keeping myself safe and signaling to that person it's not okay? And that's right, it might be a month down the track where I send them a thing or, or pull them aside next time and private because we don't want to embarrass them to go, yeah. oh, gay guys don't like being called packets. But they go, oh, they might go, you know, oh, but I've heard other gay guys call other gay guys packets. And you're like, yes, that's okay, they're allowed to do that. But in this context, you know, you're yeah. not. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think it's also, you know, like with intimate partner violence, you know, we, if we went to Christmas and I saw, you know, my brother or sister was being horrible to their partner or their partner was being horrible to them, you know, you might call it out then to go, oh, give her a break, you know, she's doing yes, so what, she forgot the apple sauce, you know, yeah. we can do without it this year. So I might call it out there or I might then a week later go, hey, what was going on with your partner? They got really angry because she forgot something. 
you know, just to let them know that you saw that and you don't think it's okay. And that might not have anything to do with confronting the partner or telling the partner, don't bore my sister out in front of everyone else. That's really not on. Yeah. So this year has been unlike any other with uh, the joy that was COVID, forcing everybody into lockdown, making all of us spend a lot more time on our own and alone and with our own thoughts. How do you think spending more time inside our own minds this year has impacted our collective mental health? Oh, I think we're, we've all been indoctrinated. You know, like now we see people, we're like, I can't touch you, keep away from me, you're going to infect me. This is what's been in our mind for such a long time, isn't it? It's like, how can I go to barrier between me and you? And now we're all going to be together at Christmas and we're like, oh, that mentality of, oh, you know, can I hug you? Can we kiss? You know, it's becoming ingrained, you know, ingrained in this now. So I think I'm recognising that we're probably going to have a bit of social anxiety because we haven't been in big, loud, noisy spaces for, with lots of people for a long time for this year. So being in a big, loud, noisy, confined space with lots of people is going to be anxiety producing. <laughs> so we might, again, go back to those questions of, you know, how can I make myself feel safe? You know, what do I need to do? That, and that might be, that's right, I need to practice my, you know, if I want to wash my hands after every time I touch something that's okay I can go and do that or can I do I need to bring my sanitizer or will the, there be sanitizer there or if I want to leave my mask on then I'm going to leave my mask on or getting consent so if I want to hug on my nephews and nieces and give them a kiss then I might need to how am I going to get permission to do that so it might be saying things like is it okay to hug you can I yeah. kiss you to my nan who might feel uncomfortable because of her age that, you know, she doesn't want to come in contact with COVID and she might say, oh, I'm not hugging anyone at the moment. Or if someone wants to hug and kiss you and you don't want them to, you know, say, I'm not hugging and kissing anyone at the moment. And, you know, I think all our, our routines have, have sort of broken down under COVID. So, you know, even our rituals of, oh, you know, we have the, the football day and then there's Melbourne Cup and then Christmas starts was all not there because we didn't go to Melbourne Cup this year and we didn't mm. have the AFL, you know. So sort of Christmas has been lumped on us and we're sort of like, oh, I'm completely unprepared. I don't know the routine or what's the ritual now. Yeah, so I think COVID stress is re will really impact and it is impacting this Christmas because, yeah, we've got that social anxiety. We haven't been, you know, we don't know how it works. What are the rules? And that can create lots of uncertainty for people and cause, you know, some emotional distress. And if I'm aware of it, know what's coming in, I can plan to manage it in the best way I can and signal to people, this is what I need. Because if I'm not telling people what I need, then they don't know and they'll just make yeah. it up as they come along. And then next thing I know, I'm in an uncomfortable space. Yeah, I suppose it's that acknowledging our discomfort and the discomfort of others. And that's where I gain, I might go, oh, you know, some people are going to, you know, have some discomfort. Maybe people, older people might have more discomfort than younger people. So how am I going to negotiate with the older people that I'm going to become in contact with? Well, I'm probably going to ask more consent than probably what I would have done in the past. And yeah, and I might check in on them and go, how are you going? <laughs> you know, if I notice that they might be going quiet or a bit distressed or not joining in as much as they were. Yeah. And going, oh, come out in the backyard and sit with me. That'll be good out there. I need a break as well. You mentioned before that, you know, during the holidays, there is a lot more partying that goes on. There's a lot more drinking, a lot more substance abuse. I know I'm really guilty, especially I, mm -hmm. I, my day job is in retail management. So over Christmas, I am uh, often prescribing myself a few too many, 
wines when I get home from work just to take the edge off. What are some of the red flags that we need to consider with our own alcohol consumption, alcohol in particular, because it's just so easily and readily available. People often use it much more than they would anything else. So what's something we need to look for with our alcohol consumption? If you might be concerned that you're going from a place of self-care to potentially encountering a problem? Yeah. Look, um, I think with substances, you know, it's asking the question, what role are these substances playing? I think substances historically and universally have always been used to create relationship. So we drink champagne when we're celebrating at a wedding and we open champagne to celebrate something when a baby's born. We, you know, drink wine because we're having a good meal with people we love or the meal's good and so we'll drink, I'll have a glass of wine with it. I think that's the question we ask. Is the, is the use of substances building relationship or is it replacing things I need to do to unstress and unwind myself? Because <laughs> then that's about mental health. Then I'm using alcohol to manage my mental health, which is a different use of alcohol than, than to build relationship. So that probably be my, you know, maybe the first question, you know, what role does this, the substance playing? Um, so if it's to build relationship, if it's to celebrate and to share, you know, wine with people, so we, um, you know, when we connect better, great. But if I'm using it to manage stress, to feel good about myself, you know, then that's not as good reason yeah. to be using substances. And therefore, I might think, oh, well, what are some of the other ways I can get the same thing without using substances, without using, particularly in this one, alcohol. So if I've had a stressful day, I need to wind down. Yes, I can have alcohol, but what are the other things I also need to be doing? So yeah, I need to be, you know, having a shower, going for a walk, listen to the music, do some meditation, talk to my partner while I'm cooking dinner. (laughs) So yeah, lots, every Christmas party, there'll be some alcohol there. You know, so for those ones there, maybe giving yourself permission, it's okay. You know, I'm celebrating, it's Christmas. But if I do this for the rest of the year, what would my life look like? Yeah. Well, then that's not, you know... I can use it, but I'm not using it to, to get n- normal functioning. <laughs> that if I did this all the time, what would my life look like? It'd be quite chaotic. I'd be hungover all the time. So it's, I know that for Christmas time, I'm going to have, be excessive in my use of alcohol consumption. But then I know it's only for Christmas. It's only for special occasions. It's like, yeah, so we might use recreational drugs, but do I use them every weekend or do I just use them when there's this party on or that party, you know, for New Year's, you know, that's okay because I'm not using them all the time to get through every single day. I know I'm going to be using um, recreational substances, but they're for special occasions. They're not there to get me through every day or get me through every weekend. So I think they're the questions we need to ask because everyone will be different on where they sit with their use of substances. Because some people are more highly sensitive Some people are using other medications, prescription medications that might interact with them. Some people drink wine, some people smoke dope. (laughs) I think it's very individual, but I do like to ask myself that question or for people that are worrying about their substance use, what role does the substance, what function does it play? And if it's a good function, a function that you're happy with, then that's great. But if it's a function to manage life, then using something external like the substances is probably not a good idea. Going back to, um, with particularly with the LGBTIQA, a rainbow, lovely people, you mentioned earlier with you know, you have the chosen family in which, you you know, they're a great debrief and a nice sort of place to go after you've done the, the family Christmas. What if you just 
don't want to do the family Christmas? Like how do you choose between spending Christmas with your family versus Christmas with your chosen family? Uh, saying no to the, the traditional family Christmas and not being eaten away by your own guilt, you know, worrying that, you know, mum's going to be upset because I'm not coming. So, mm-hmm. but yes, I, yes, I just don't want to go. I just want to see my friends. Yeah. I suppose, um, you know, um, I mean, the one is about, you know, what messaging do we give? If I'm choosing not to spend time with my biological family, do I not want to spend time with them at all? Cause they're horrible or do I want to spend time with them, but just not, for Christmas. Either way, we need to measure, measure them. So if they're like, Mark, you haven't been to Christmas forever. And I'm like, you don't call me by my, you know, I'm not called Mark now. I'm called my female name, identify as female pronouns. You don't recognize that. Unless you do that, I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. And then the other one might be if they do recognize my gender and use my pronouns, I might say, yes, I want to be in a relationship with you. I do want to see you and hang out with you, but I just don't want to do it now. Because we don't, because if we say no, they'll say, oh, they don't want to be in a relationship with me. <laughs> and we, we don't want to give that message if that's true. So it might be like, yes, I do want to see you and I have dinner and we're going to laugh and get drunk and talk about, you know, what I was like growing up, but just not with the whole family there. <laughs> so when might we do that, mum? And yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you come over the week after. Or no, I want you to every Christmas day. And then I'd say, no, mum, I do want to see you. And I do want to hang out with you. But can't do it on Christmas Day when it's going to be a good time for you. Oh, well, then come on Boxing Day. Great, I can do that. <laughs> and then the second time is, you know, the second one is about recognising that I don't share the same values and goals with these people. So in the same way that if I don't share the same values and goals with any of my friends or anyone in my chosen family, I'm probably not going to be in close relationships. So I might have a friend, a queer friend that I love and we, and we connect, you know, quite well and talking about our sexuality and gender and how that plays out but they're quite racist. They're quite xenophobic. (laughs) So I don't share the same values and goals. So therefore I'm not going to have the same intimacy in my relationship that I have with someone who is also queer and is not a racist. (laughs) So it just might be like, okay, so I don't share the same values and goals with these people. So why would I be in relationship with them in the same way that why, just because they're for your family, I always say, you know, they're always like, oh, this person's horrible in my family. And I'm like, well, they weren't your family, they weren't your mum's sister. And they were just the lady who lived over the fence. And they said the same things. How, what would you, how would you be in relationship with them? And they'd be like, I wouldn't talk to her. I'm like, so why would you talk to her just because she's your mum's sister? Like, why do you have to be in relationship with you? Just because she's your family, you share different values and goals. So if it wasn't your mum's sister, you, you said you, and they were just a neighbour, you wouldn't talk to them. And I think that sort of helps with some of that guilt of like, why do I have to just because they're my family? It might be more about how can I have a good relationship with my mum who wants me to be there and wants me to be in relationship yeah. with her sister. And I think also when we're messaging, it's, it's about saying, I, I find it's helpful then to say, I've got something else on, like I'm going to be spending time with my family of choice, not I'm not rejecting you, even though you are, but I'm not rejecting you full, full stop. Like I'm rejecting you because I'm going to, I want to spend time with the people I do share my values and goals with. Yeah. This is my chosen family. These are the people I share my values and goals with. These are my friends and we're all getting together on Christmas morning and we're going to watch whatever or let's go down to the park, you know, have food and wine, you know, and I'm going to, I'm choosing to do that. Therefore, I can't come to the family one. But I do want to see you. Can I come the week after or come yeah. on Boxing Day? 
So I think it's sort of those two things. It's, it's about recognizing that I don't share the same values and goals of these people. And that's okay because we don't, we are not in relationship or it's harder to be in relationship with people we don't share values and goals with. Most of the people that in my life, I, we have lots of commonality, you know, and it doesn't have to be everything. We don't have to agree on everything, but I think the differences are enough to hold intention. Whereas with someone who doesn't share my values and goals, there's too much difference. So do you wonder whether there's much commonality in your relationship? And in the same way, I, I probably wouldn't be in relationship with lots of people that don't share lots of commonality in my relationship. So why would I try and enforce a relationship with people that I don't share things in common, don't share the same values and goals? The second part is the messaging. You know, I want a message. Yes, I do want to be in a relationship with you, but I just, it doesn't need to be in the way that you want it. Yeah, it's funny the the pressure that we put on ourselves because of the chance of that was the family you were born into. I have a, a good friend of mine who comes from a very turbulent family and they all have very different ideals and different goals and she just has such pressure to keep these people in her life because they, you know, they're family, yet they don't bring her anything but misery. And I always, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, if, yeah. they're, they're, if they're not bringing you positivity to your life, if they're not bringing you something of joy or something that I guess is even just relatable, then don't have them in your life if you don't want them. Because just because of the fact that they have the title of being your uncle or your aunt or whatever, like you don't have to block people out completely. You can still feel love for them, but you don't have to spend your time with people who aren't bringing you positive things to your life. It's just funny the pressure that people put on themselves purely because of family. Yeah. I think, and Sean, you know, we've also got all these external things telling us, you know, that, oh, we have to be this happy, big, beautiful. And I I think, you know, everyone feels this. You know, we we have to come out with a beautiful hand that's totally glazed perfectly. And, you know, there'll be well-dressed, you know, mum and dad and there's, you know, happy kids who are not screaming and finally sitting at the table quite politely. You know, and Nan and Pop are there. They don't seem to have any major health issues. You know, and that's, that's what we're being sold. That's what we're being marketed. And if you don't have this, then there's something wrong with you. And that's what we should strive for. And, yeah, that's right. We don't see the queer family where, you know, we don't see the family of choice in the path. Someone has a disability. Someone's, you know, transitioning. You know, we don't, we don't, we're erased from that picture. And so therefore we think it's not for us, but we're told you have to want that. Yeah, it's, it's quite a radical queer, queering of Christmas, isn't it? To go, I'm not, no, I'm not buying into that. I'm going to, I can create my own realities instead of the one we're sold, marketed and packaged. We are being represented in Christmas movies this year. I don't know if you've seen the um, trailer for the, the new one with Kristen Stewart and she goes home with her girlfriend for Christmas and her girlfriend hasn't come out to her parents. And so she's told them that she's an orphan oh. roommate. So that's, <laughs> that's an interesting one. I'll be looking forward to, uh, yeah. to watching that. What, what's that one? Is it an ad or is it a YouTube a, or what is it? It's a movie. It's a, it's a oh, movie. Yeah. Proper, proper movie. It's also got Dan Levy in it who did Shit's Creek. If you watched that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But it's, it was really interesting to know that that's coming this year. There is actually a queer represented holiday movie. So that's going to be an interesting watch. Yes, yes, yes. I think, um, you know, GLAAD does the, you know, how it surveys all the media for the year and sees how represented we are. And I think, you know, 
traditionally we're always underrepresented for the amount there is. And, you know, we do get assigned to secondary characters or the comedy relief. So it would be good, it's good when, you know, well done to, to have us, you know, in the mains and, and to, to have some visibility. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, yeah. we don't sort of see it in my Kmart catalogue. No. Oh, there's the two, you know, we don't sort of see that, particularly, I mean, we can, sometimes we might get some gay representation, you know, a nice white male couple <laughs> or white female couple, but definitely no person colour, yeah. definitely no one with disability and trans and gender diverse or non-binaries are completely erased. Yeah. <laughs> they don't exist. And, and it's that subtle message. It's almost like you're not invited we're all going to have this great time with beautiful food and lovely for anyone's dressed nice. And, you know, you're not invited to that because you, that's right. You cause trouble and you, you're a bummer. You make us think about inequalities and, yeah. and, and uh, so, you know, it can be really hard. And, you know, and I think that's why we do see a lot more mental health presentations in LGBTIQ populations because we pick up on all those internalized messages and external messages that, you know, we're not invited to the party you know, this isn't, this is not for you. It's a Christian celebration and it's the assist and hetero celebration. And, um, you know, we can see more higher suicidalities, you know, a lot more mental health, a lot more, you know, emotional distress. And the reason that we're doing this, so thank you so much for this, Sean. It's really good and really important. It is very important. And I, again, thank you for, for coming on. With my own mental health struggles that I've had over the years, I've learned that it's okay to have a bad mental health day every now and again, that mm. keeping your mental health in check, it's a constant battle. I've learned and I'm still learning to talk more, to talk to my partner, to talk to others when something is eating away at me or bothering me, not to keep it inside because I, I do and then eventually it explodes. Um, my advice to anyone going through a tough time would be that talking is the key to healing and to feeling better. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's suffering silently with their own mental health struggles, whether it be at Christmas or any time of the year? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. It's how do I message? And, you know, some people talking is to say, you know, they can say, oh, I'm having a bad day today or I need some time out today. A young person, they might not have as much power as what we have. People that are from culturally and linguistically conservative communities where talking about problems is something you just don't do. It's not within their culture. And, you know, people with disabilities or people coming from strong faith backgrounds, you know, probably talking might not be safe <laughs> and they might, you know, actually increase the trauma because they'll be yeah. like, suck it up, get over it. We don't do that in our culture. What's the matter with you? You know, it might be further stigmatising. So it'd be like, how do you signal and how do you message that you're not going well? And some for some people, that'll be withdrawing themselves. For some people, it might be able to talk. As said, for some people, it might be sabotaging. So at one stage, I, you know, when I was struggling with my family, I would turn up late, get really drunk, and then leave early. <laughs> and that was my way of signaling to my family, I'm not enjoying myself here. Fortunately, I was able to develop some healthier ways. But, you know, it might be, you know, some people might sabotage going, coming to Christmas. So, you know, if I pick a fight with someone before Christmas, then I can go, I'm not coming to Christmas because Blab Blab was horrible to me. Yeah. Or I don't like them. And if they're coming, I'm not going to come. So, you know, there's lots of sort of ways that sort of people can do it. But I think, you know, it is that how can I message to the universe, to a person, to a family, to a anyone <laughs> that... 
I'm, I need some extra support and I'm feeling, you know, I've got some distress. I've got some, my emotions of feelings are overwhelming me at the moment, or there's too many, there's a lot of them to process. And, you know, talking to, you know, our families of choice or those people that are around us, immediately around us, are really, really good ways. One of, uh, I was parenting and I know that my teen child would just come and stand at the, in the kitchen and I'd be chopping and I'd look and I'd go, oh, hello, what are you doing? And that's their way of signaling. I want to talk about something, but I don't know how to talk about it because they're a male, a teen boy. Teen boys are not going to go, I'm really struggling at the moment because I like someone and they don't like me back. Sometimes it might be about us, you know, again, as you said before, being sensitive to the people around us. What's, why is Josh now standing in the kitchen when he's normally in his bedroom? Oh, what's going on for you? Oh, guess what happened at school today? The teacher said this about me and it wasn't true. Oh, so they, you know, about being sensitive to, uh, to the people around us because that was his way of reaching out, not being able to verbalise, but just, you know, being in the same proximity to me. So again, if people are reaching out saying, hey, we need to catch up, you know, there might be a reason why they're saying, hey, we need to catch up. Yeah. And, you know, maybe thinking, oh, that's their way of saying I'm not coping at the moment or I'm feeling lonely or I'm worried about whatever. You know, there was a, we have Are You OK Day, which is great, but, you know, we also need to signal it's OK not to be OK. <laughs> it's OK not to be OK at Christmas because lots of people are not OK at Christmas. Yeah. And I know that we have the thing of the mum and dad and the big, beautiful ham and that telling everyone we're OK, but, you know, there is another story to Christmas, which is exactly what this podcast is about, that not everyone is OK at Christmas. And it's OK not to be OK at Christmas because it's quite stressful and there's lots of things going on. And we've had a crazy year with COVID as well, you know, quite an unusual year with COVID. So, um, yeah, and then particularly for LGBTIQ populations, you know, it's, it's going to be, uh, I'd, you know, be checking in. And that's what, you know, checking with my little chosen family like hey how's Christmas yeah. going for you what happens in your family at Christmas oh we do this we do oh, what's that oh no that's horrible or that's good what's the good bit about it? what's the bad bit about it and then of course you know there's all those other places that you know like Drummond Street we've run probably it's in its fourth year now but we noticed for a lot of our, cli our clients our queer clients they just don't have anywhere to go for Christmas so we run a Christmas breakfast now oh, and lovely. the first year we thought oh maybe like 30 or 40 people will turn up 200 people now turn up for this morning Christmas. Mm. Jump on the, the, the Drummond Street website and it'll tell you when and where. And it's just a place there for queer families and their allies and families and friends to, you know, we feed them and everyone just hangs out in the park and people can come and go as they want. You know, I know Thorne Harbour Health has traditionally done a Christmas lunch for HIV positive people, but now for sort of the wider community. So I think there's lots of queer organisations. I don't know, Switchboard runs all over Christmas and QLife. So, you know, uh, I think like we recognise it's the high risk period. So we recognise there's going to be more mental health struggles, more distress for LGBTIQ plus populations. So I think, yeah, your local, your family of choice would be my first, you know, definitely signal to them. How could I signal to them that I'm not going well? But yeah, also then using our community and wider resources. And as I said before, it's going to be young people who might not be part of the queer community yet because they've, they've sort of come out to themselves, come out to their family, but they haven't been, uh, you know, because they've, and they've got to go to Mornington to spend the thing with family because they can't stay home by themselves. So, you know, that, that'd be quite vulnerable. Uh, as I said, culturally uh, conservative communities. So maybe some of our, you know, Muslim communities or, high, or highly religious 
affiliated, so all faith-based families, it's, you know, it's going to be a lot harder for them and harder for them to access queer safety and queer communities and, and established families of choice because um, not everyone has one. But um, that's why, you know, uh, the queer organisations, so, you know, Minus 18, Drummond Street, Queer Space, Switchboard, Thorn Harbour Health, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, we have, that's why we have those supports. Now, Mark, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. And mental health awareness is a topic that is really important to me, just generally. Um, and yeah, one that I think yeah. we need to continue to talk freely and without judgment about. So thank you for, for sharing with me today. If any of our listeners want to know more about what it is that you do, or if they want to get in touch with you or engage with any of your services, what's the best way for them to do that? Either jump on the Drummond Street website or Google Queer Space and it'll pop up there. And we've also got our telephone number. So we have an intake process. So that's um, 9663-6733. And um, one of our intake workers will talk to you. You know, you can say, hey, there's what's going on for me. And they'll try and work out what are the best services, um, support services for you. And then, as I said before, there's always switchboard. You know, the game that's been switchboard used to be called, but now it's just called switchboard. And Thorn Harbour Health are also a really good support service as well. Amazing. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Um, really enjoyed yeah, this conversation. Thank you so I really much, appreciate Sean, for the opportunity and all your gorgeous listeners. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, and you have a great Christmas then. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, guys, that's a wrap for this episode of Excuse Me. Once again, a huge thank you to Mark for spending his time and sharing his expertise with all of us. The holidays, as we mentioned, can be a really problematic time of the year for a lot of people. So if you are struggling, remember that it is okay to not be okay. And there are helpful links embedded into the show notes of all of those places that Mark was talking about. So head on over to the show notes and give it a little click on one of those links that you think might be helpful to you. But for now, that's all. I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the final episode of the year of Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say. Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you look after yourselves and your family and your friends during the festive season. Stay safe and I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.